Talking Tropes. Where if at first you don't succeed, try triangle again. (laughs) Yes, today we're going to talk about uh, love triangles, which is a really classic trope. Like, this goes back forever, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's just any romance with more than two people involved. So if you just have, like, a cast of characters... (laughs) Like triangles are 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 bound to form. I believe it was um I believe it was Jack Donaghy from Thirty Rock who once said, uh, "Adult relationships are like your haircut. Sometimes awkward triangles occur." <laughs> That's a great quote. I did not remember that Thirty Rock quote. Um, well, I I also want to talk about like. I, In the research for this episode, I came across the statistic that, like, everyone kept throwing out. That's, like, almost 60% of adults have been in a love triangle at some part, at some point. What? Yeah. And I'm just, like... (laughs) I don't know what that means. Is that true? Like, I, I don't know how real this trope is in actual everyday life, you know? So... So I guess if you define being in a love triangle as being attracted to more than one person at once, then everyone or, has. Or having more and than one And if you define person. love triangle as having more than one person interested in you at once, then like every woman has. Well, I don't know if that's true. Pretty much. Mm. I don't I know. I mean, like, it, it doesn't mean that like you have to like make a difficult choice between them, but like, you know... <laughs> the the amount of posts I've seen on Reddit of women just being bothered by people while they're in a committed relationship, telling them to break up with their boyfriend and start <laughs> dating them. I mean, yeah. that's a love triangle. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I don't know. I It was just a fascinating statistic because as far as I know, I've never been in a love triangle. Like, I've never had, like, a big crush on someone else while they're dating another person. And I, as far as I know, I've never had boys go to fisticuffs over me, so. As far as you know. As far as I know. I don't know. Have Have you been a love triangle? I, I'm, I've been interested in multiple people at once and, you know, but, had but to sort I of think, make a choice. Okay. Okay. Like, concurrently, I guess? Well, yeah. I mean, like, timing is 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 everything. And sometimes people just have really shitty timing. Interesting. Okay, so before we dive into the trope itself, um, do you have it? I feel like some people come into this tropes with like a lot of Bias. preconceived with what contempt. Yeah, contempt. Um, or or they love it. You know, some people love love triangles. Um, do do you have strong feelings either way on the topic? I think this trope is so basic. It's one of those super basic tropes that you can't really criticize it. It it, it has to be all in the execution. Okay. Right? Sure. I mean, this is just one of those things that, you know, no one's ever criticized Shakespeare for relying too much on love triangles. And I, I see <laughs> that Shakespeare is on your list. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, just like half, all of his comedies are just love triangles, and half right. of his tragedies include at least some form of them, you know? And, like, the way that you have to think about it is, like, all love complications form some kind of shape, some mm-hmm. kind of polygon, or, um, you know, Triangle perhaps a, you know, a polyhedron, <laughs> but 
you can break down literally any a polygon or polyhedron into triangles, which is how computer graphics work. <laughs> yeah. This is my TED talk. Welcome. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I mean, I think I would agree. Um, it's interesting coming from, so I, I work in publishing and, um, specifically I do a lot with like YA fiction. Um, and people hate love triangles in the YA fiction community. Are you talking about like, you know, um, the people who are, are purchasing these, uh, these works or the people who are producing them? I would say publishing them. Well, publishing them, I don't know, but the people who are purchasing them and, you know, like we all read these books, so we have our own opinions on like, oh boy, another YA love triangle, you know, like Twilight, uh, Hunger Games, Divergent, like all of the big major franchises, except for maybe Harry Potter. Um, But even in Harry Potter, in the later books, there's some love triangles. Um, yeah, and I find that, um, you know, even with Harry Potter, uh, I find that people tend to read into them, um, you know, love triangles that aren't necessarily heavily involved in the text. Well, um, yeah, so I think that's... people, like fans, they mm-hmm. see them when they're not even there. Sure. I, I think that's something, too, um, that I'd love to, like, get into a little bit is sort of the fan and, like, fan fiction element of, shipping. of love triangles and shipping and stuff like that. We've spoken um, about shipping before in, in, in our queer baiting episode and, yes. and in others. But shipping is a very big part of this love triangle thing because, you know, even if it wasn't written in there intentionally, having... You know, two characters of one gender and one character of another gender, people start to make connections. Yeah. Um, so, do you want to just dive in? Yeah. All right. Um, I, I sort of want to talk about, like, the function of love triangles to kick this off. Cause I sure. Think... I mean, they can serve a lot of different functions, I think. It... Oh, but, absolutely. Um, uh, but I, I, think... I think maybe maybe the best way to break it down would be to go through, like literally all the different um, ways that a a love triangle can form. Um, This is, like, categorized on the website as triang relationships uh, on on (laughs) tvtropes.com. So maybe we could just go through every different orientation that there is and describe the function and, like, a good example of it. Uh, sure. So the first one that I see is, is basically what I think of when I think of a love triangle. Very basic. One person is interested in two different characters and has to make a choice. I mean, that's Twilight, that's Archie Comics, that's Riverdale, that's Buffy. And that's half of the romantic comedies that, like, exist in general. Right, because there's a main character, and your investment in that character is who are they going to end up with, mm-hmm. and they have two choices. And then well, if it's more complicated, then you add other triangles on top of that, but, I mean... That's the basic format. Sure. And I think within this format, it, it spawns a lot of other tropes. So, like, you know, there's the um, good girls want bad guys versus the boy next door sort of thing. And the um, I think with, with women, it's usually referred to as, like, the Betty and Veronica Um it, it's right, also... and then it's the it's the Edward and Jacob for guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I yeah. mean, this is very clear in its intention and like how it's supposed to affect the story is that this is the one that's about identity, 
And mm-hmm. so the character has to decide who they are by deciding who they want to be with. Right. And it's usually choosing between the nice, safe choice and the dangerous, passionate choice. Right. Um, and then I think this this one also, um, the function of it is often wish fulfillment, too. I think in a lot of um, like shows that this particular type of triang <laughs> is uh, right. used in. Um, like it's it's very much like wow I get to choose between two people who love me so much like this is great right there's a fantasy know? element for sure for but sure. it's also yeah. very true to life where you, you do have to decide you know what kind of boyfriend do I want do I want somebody <laughs> you know who I can rely on or do I want someone who excites me and makes me feel a sense of danger mm-hmm. so the second one um, is is a weird placement it's a is interested in B is interested in interested in C is interested in A. So this is pretty rare. Yeah. Um, but I'd say that like basically this one um, usually relies on some kind of lie or fabrication. So this is like a, the she's the man mm-hmm. um, type of trope. So somebody's pretending that they're a different gender than they are, which okay. is creating some, you know, love directions that aren't going to line up correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, She's the Man is, like, this really loose, terrible adaptation of Shakespeare's Twelfth Night, um, <laughs> which does heavily rely on cross-dressing as a, uh, as a theme. Right. In a time before, you know, trans people were recognized or believed in any way, <laughs> shape, or form. Right. Um, so, I mean, this is, like, a trope that's not done very often and probably won't be done very often in the future, because it just well- relies on... This idea of deceit and, and gender. Well, here's the thing. I think uh, I think in general, also, a lot of these love triangles are going to be very heteronormative. Um, very sure. much like uh, two girls and a guy, or two girl or two guys and a girl. Um, but like, I don't know. As we're seeing more and more queer representation in media, and this is something that um, I think. I, I sort of want to bring up later with the idea of like OT threes um, is that, you know, this idea isn't just, it's not an A to B love answer always anymore, you know, like right. it's well, possible. I think some of them are inherently queer in nature, but sure. other ones it seems like um, are not. And it seems yeah. like number two, because all of the love directions are unrequited, yes. meaning no one is actually interested in the person that's interested in them. Mm-hmm. It, it has to rely on some kind of deceit uh, in order to 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 be, remain stable. Or otherwise, or, or you know, somebody's going to end up falling for somebody else. Well, but like this love triangle usually does resolve in some way. Like it, they all. That's the problem. That's the thing about love triangles is they all resolve. No, yeah, they all eventually. resolve. But I just don't think like the a number two where it's A is interested in B is interested in C is interested in A, mm-hmm. like. I don't think that's sustainable for an entire movie unless there's some kind of lie going on. Yeah, potentially. I don't know. Um, but but we can move on because yeah. I, I I just think there's not, just not that many examples to talk sure. about to you know determine that. But sure. uh, number three is sort of a reverse of number one, whereas mm-hmm. number one is one character interested in two characters. Number three is two characters that are fighting over one character. Yeah. And so these are your uh, cockfights or catfights, depending mm-hmm. on, on gender. 
Right. So this is always, you know, in the boy coming of age movies where there's two boys and a girl's in the group and they both get a crush on the girl and then they have to fight over her or whatever. Right. So, I mean, this one typically resolves now, uh, nowadays, it typically resolves with like the girl saying, you know, I'm not interested in either of you. Yeah. Um, you know, you're being immature mm-hmm. and then, you know, going off with someone unexpected, um, and that's usually played for laughs. Uh, but one subversion of that was the Bob's Burgers episode where Tina uh, has two dates to a dance, who have a <laughs> dance-off. Yes. And she decides, wait a minute, why can't you both just go out with me? <laughs> And, and then they... they're so grossed out by that <laughs> that they both leave her yep. and are no longer interested, which I think is great. It is great. It's a wonderful uh, subversion of this this particular love triangle. Yeah, because it shows like the hubris in the wish fulfillment of having two guys fight over you. Um, right. And, and sort of the unhealthiness of it and, right. and all of that. Another example of this is the community episode Pascal's Triangle Revisited, which is uh, where there's a, a big Valentine's Day dance, um, and uh, Professor uh, Slater, who is um, you the know hot going out with professor. Jeff, is uh, competing with uh, Britta, who you know uh, had like a, a romantic tension with Jeff over the course of the season, um, and so then they're just like fighting and like you know doting over him and wiping his face off with a napkin and it ultimately resolves in the the guy going no i'm not interested in either of you right now i'm gonna go hang out with this uh, third option yeah (laughs) oh community Mm yeah um so this is where i think they start to get slightly complicated maybe or maybe i'm just well, four, I know Confused. exactly what number four is. Okay. Number four is you have two characters in a relationship, and then you have one guy who's interested in one of the people in the relationship. Okay. And I say guy because this is almost always a male character interested in a female character who's, who's in a relationship. In a relationship already. And it's the nice guy trope. Mm-hmm. Here we go. This is your, your Snape, your Severus Snape. He's like, I'm so into Lily. Oh my God. She's into this other guy, and the other guy's into her, <laughs> and they're in a relationship. Womp womp. Um, I am just scrolling through the TV tropes page with examples on this particular trope, um, and I just saw that there's a Warrior Cats example of it, and I just need <laughs> to revel in that for like half a second. Cat romance? Oh Can my we God. <laughs> We don't have to talk about it at all. I just need to acknowledge that that exists. Oh my god! Uh, for Warrior all of cats. our cat love fans, guys, in tell the us audience. if we should read Warrior Cats. <laughs> Is it worth it? Right. Um, but number four, I also associate a lot with nice girls in addition to nice guys. So uh-huh. like, I think of like the Taylor Swift song where she's like, yeah. You know, she wears short shorts, I wear sneakers. Yeah, the slut, the horror, like, virgin dichotomy sort of thing. It's like, you're just interested in her because she's all, like, hot, but, like, I'm the girl next door, and, like, I'm there Mm. for you, and I'm nice. You know, I'm not going to, like, break your heart. For sure. I feel like that's Um, a really common, like, love song, like, uh, trope. 
more so than like I, I've seen maybe in TVs or, or movies. I, like, don't know. I, I see it in TV all the time. My immediate thought was uh, Gravity Falls, where um, Dipper is is really into to Wendy, um, who's dating this jerk. You know, they're always dating a jerk, right, and it's I, like <laughs> I gotta break them up for their own good. Yeah, but like really, it's not. You know, you don't have good intentions. I mean, I, I think I meant um, more so, like, I, I tend to see this trope with, like, dudes trying to break, oh, yeah. like, when a girl in TV, but I tend to hear more songs about girls being like, she's terrible, love me instead. Maybe. Um, I don't know. I, I was thinking of, there was this Netflix thing that came out recently called Sir Sierra Burgess is a, li- is oh, a Loser. Oh, God. Yes. Jesus Christ. Um, which is like, it's, um, and like, that really is like the most derivative of the original story of this trope, which is Cyrano de Bergerac. <laughs> yeah. Well, but that's right. sort of its own thing a little bit. Like, the, the uh, yeah, I mean, I could rant all day about Sierra Burgess versus Cyrano. Um, I mean, like, their names are the same. The, the, I mean, yes. Sierra No de Burgess Rack yeah. is a loser. Yep, yep. I mean, it's loosely based off of that. Like, it says that in their advertising, but it's just like... It shouldn't be because Cyrano's great, and that was a train wreck for some. I don't know. Reasons. Cyrano is also kind of a creep. Uh, he's just like you know, she'll never love me because of my horrible deformed nose. Yeah, so but I gotta he... like creep on her and like tell her love stories through this other guy who's also into her. But he's genuinely like, no, go be happy with that other dude. Like it hurts me and it sucks, but like I've accepted my fate. I don't know. Sure. It's, it's How about this... we just don't remake, like, really classic works of literature as teen dramas because teens are all stupid? <laughs> Can we just agree on that? I, I don't know. I like some teen remakes of literature. Like, like I love the Man. I love She's the, the Man. Night. It's so amazing. I love She's the Man. You'll never convince me otherwise. <laughs> all right. So that's the, the stalker with a crush number four. Then there's number five, which is just a direct line of sadness. Um, <laughs> it's just a straight line. It's like not even really a triangle. Yeah. It's just a straight line of sadness where one person's interested in another person who's interested in another person who's not interested in any of them. Mm-hmm. This can also lead to the love square, though, where that person's dating someone else. Um and vice versa. Well, yeah, I mean, any of these, you can introduce a fourth person and it becomes yeah. a square. But, yeah. like, I'm just talking about, you know, the basics. The basics, Hannah. Yeah. We're talking basic. Okay. Taylor Swift also has a song about this one. I mean, I bet Taylor Swift has a song about every single one of these, honestly. I mean, she's trying. She's getting there. <laughs> but she's got a song called Invisible, where the narrator likes a guy who likes another girl... And, you know, is trying to, like, you know, make her think that she's the the one that he's been looking for this whole time. <laughs> is that the same song? It might be a different yeah, song. Yeah, that's but the they're, same they're all one. the same. Or maybe not. Can you think of any good examples of this trope? Uh, off the top of my head, like, no. I, I always think of uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Because it's, it's often played for laughs, this one. Because it's mm. just so... Like, sad that nobody is happy. Um, 
Because, like, Charlie is interested in the waitress who's interested in Dennis, who is a psychopath. Uh-huh. Um, who isn't capable of feeling genuine love towards any human being. Right. Um, oh, I so guess... that's, like... I guess there <laughs> that's is like one. pretty funny. Um, hey Arnold technically has this. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely Hey Arnold. Yeah. Like, it's, Helga's it's got a Helga's crush on interested. Arnold, who has yeah. a crush on the, like, redheaded girl or whatever her name is. Oh, golly goodness. <laughs> um, what's her name? Uh, Lila? Yeah, Lila. Fucking yeah. Lila. She is such a goody goody. <laughs> I hated her. I hate her so much. Yeah, I don't know. I like the one episode where, like, she gets brought down to, like, Earth or whatever. You know, like... Or she, like, yells at somebody? Or, like, I don't know. They go to, like, the cornfield where she comes from and, like... Well, that was the one where, like, I think it was, like, all a dream or something. And, like, also there was this really ugly version of Arnold there who was, like, creepy and, like, tries to murder them or something. Oh, boy. And then there's, like... The really like like sex pot version of Lila, who's really into Arnold. Oh, that's uh, right. She's got like an evil twin or something. It's weird. It's bad. It's not a good episode. <laughs> I remember it fondly, but who knows? <laughs> Very disturbing. Um, <coughs> all right. So what's the, what's the next triangle we got on the list? Next we got number six. Number six, I feel, is one of those ones that's inherently queer. It just yeah. has to be. Um, because it's about one person who's interested in two people who are already in a relationship. Mm. Like they want both of them? Like, yeah, they have to, or, you know, they can't decide between them, but they're, or they're pining after both of them in some kind of, you know, they want to have a three-way with their relationship. Uh-huh. Um, I thought I couldn't think of any, like, real examples of this. Like, there's in Homestuck, which where you have every <laughs> single combination of everything, because there's literally 12 characters who are all interested in, in each other in different ways. Right. So there is Aridin, Feferi, and Solix, who, you know, Aridin is interested in both Feferi and Solix in different ways. Right. But forgetting that, which, you know, that we can use that to fill anyone... The only other example that I saw on TV tropes that made sense to me was uh, the show Skins. Have you ever okay. watched Skins? No. Um, well, there's this character, Sid, who uh, throughout the course of like the first season learns that he's bi. Um, and he was interested in this character, Michelle, who's going out with the main character, Tony. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's easy to read as like a fan, that to, to read it as like he's really interested in both of them. Yeah. Um, but well, then the real example that I thought of, which okay. is super real, is uh, the the Sardonyx arc from Steven Universe. Could you remind me of yeah. that one? Yeah, so um, in Steven Universe, two characters confuse, and that is characterized as being like, these two characters are forming one character, but they're also in a relationship with each other. So one of the main characters, uh, Garnet, okay. is a relationship between Ruby and Sapphire. Yeah. And um, Pearl, in this series of episodes, becomes obsessed with how good their relationship is and how she just wants to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And so she, like, tricks them into forming this triple fusion called Sardonyx. Right. And it's all about how, like, she's just this creeper who's just obsessed with them unrequitedly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that is, I guess, an example. 
Wow. So, I mean, like I said, I think this one's inherently kind of queer, and it's inherently sort of poly in nature. Um, Um, If it resolves in, you know, a successful relationship. Sure. I I think this one um, is definitely definitely really common in a lot of fan works and fan fiction um, and in fandom. Um, I think this is exactly what, like, where people get OT3s from instead of OTPs, which stand for one true pairing. It's one true threesome, basically. Right. Um, Where it's like, yes. Because the actual media will usually have some kind of solution where the two characters get together. But if you are a fan and you kind of wanted to see all of them get together, then you just sort of add in that one and that forms a number six combination. Yes. Well, I think also OT3s come from this this frustration with love triangles where people are really bored because this is such a classic trope. People are almost bored sometimes by mm-hmm. a love triangle because it's too predictable. Um, mm-hmm. Like it's sure you're either going to end up with person a or person b like whatever um we've seen it all before but what if instead of all this needless drama everyone got together and then we don't have to worry about this anymore and we can have (laughs) the rest of the plot um because because i think that's a big thing when it comes to frustration with love triangles um is that Unless they're the main plot of the movie or the show or the book or whatever, um, I think people lose patience with them a lot faster. It feels like a distraction. Yeah, because love triangles exist to sort of create tension. You know, like that's that's one of their main goals. Um, right. Is, is to mess with the status quo, is to create this sort of will they, won't they, which we've talked about before, um, right. to, to do all sorts of different things that come down to creating tension. Um, but if really your story is about saving the galaxy, all the tension coming from the romance side of things feels like a weird distraction that you're like, wait, why are we so obsessed with who she's going to kiss? I I want to save the world. Um, right. And I feel like a lot of frustration comes from that. And I think especially um, in fandom, you'll see OT3s popping up in things like Star Wars and in um, like Steven Universe or um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like other sci-fi stuff. It happens in that a lot. Or like even fantasy, like in Game of Thrones, people have a lot of like OT3s. T3s and stuff like that. I don't know. It's just interesting. Yeah, it, it definitely is. Um, you know, sort of what you're talking about, the forming of like a stable thruple. Yeah. The reason I think you don't see that as much in media is partially because we, we live in a very heteronormative society where, you know, we expect there to be, um, you know, two two characters in a relationship. But also I think if you resolve the... the um, love triangle that early in the story to make it like a stable thruple then like where's the conflict right right and i mean i think this is also something that we talked about too in our um will they won't they episode um 
which is this idea that why does the tension need to come from whether or not they get together? Why can't it come from just the normal tension that happens in relationships? Well, because there's inherent, and I think what we decided for that episode was that there is inherent tension in wondering whether or not a character gets together or not. It's just oh, you can't sure. only hold it out so long. For and sure. I think the same goes for love triangles where you can only hold it out for so long. But while it's there, there's an inherent character related tension that yes. is you know it, it practically writes itself yeah um because and there's it's, tons it's, of ways to put spins on it for sure um do we want to talk about another spin <laughs> another sure, triangle yeah um i think that it looks like the next one i have is basically the same as a number one where one character is interested in two different characters mm -hmm. but in this version it's mutual and there's some kind of commitment involved okay so you know um i think it's basically a mature version of number one which is why you see it in in stories like casablanca or othello or more recently in uh hamilton where you know hamilton is uh, married to one character and has an emotional um affair with her sister mm. where they also meet up on the reg um or you know where that sister is is also married to someone else but also right. works back and forth with hamilton so you know it's just like so very straightforwardly like, like great characters who are in relationships with the same person sure so like this is very much like having an affair on some adult like drama or right. like great anatomy specifically a mutual affair like wherein both of them are fully, or, you know, at least one of them is fully aware that, that an affair is taking place. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Um, and it just seems like it's a little bit more, like, adult, rather than, like, the younger version where it's just like, how do I choose I the boy that I like? Yeah. Not even really considering what their feelings are, or, like, mm -hmm. how do I choose the girl that's right for me? Not even really considering their emotions in the matter. Well, I mean, I, I feel like this is similarly, like, toxic, <laughs> you know? Like, it's not great to be cheating on no, someone. No, I'm not saying that it's... Cause, I mean, there's inherent conflict in it. But yeah. what I'm saying is it's just, like, a more mature look at it where you're, you're getting... I mean, they're actually in a committed relationship with two different people. As opposed to being in an emotional, like, s fluctuating between two people and never really committing to anything. Mm. I mean, are there that many examples of it, though, of being in two committed relationships simultaneously instead of Well, I mean, I just like... listed a few. I'm sure there's others. That one, that one feels... I mean, I, ha I haven't actually seen Casablanca, so... You should see it. I should. It's great. Um, but, like, isn't isn't the whole idea usually when someone's seeing more than one person like this in, in, in our media this way, like, aren't they supposed to be seen as somewhat indecisive and or unfaithful or, like... Yeah, I mean, often that's where the conflict comes from. Right, but it's it's not two stable relationships. Then they're still waffling between two. There's just sex involved. No, but I'm just, what I'm saying is the the other the characters that they're choosing between are also interested in the main character. It's reciprocal. Okay, as I opposed see. to a one sided pining. Got it. 
which tends to make it a more, you know, adult story because people talk about their feelings and stuff, you know, related to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm just saying as like a trend, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Okay. Um, the next setup is a thruple, which like we said, like there's no inherent conflict there, mm-hmm. but you know, you, you can just have normal relationship drama. You know, one of the people in the three, you know, is having a little bit of trouble adjusting to living with a third person and they fight over who should do the dishes. I don't know. Like, it's just like a nat- natural, natural conflict can form just by having a relationship with three people in it. But it's not a love triangle in the same way that we think of these other ones where the love triangle has to be resolved. Right. Did you have any examples of, like, canonical throuples? Honestly, I there's got to be, like, something, you know? I'm, like, racking right. my brain. I um, saw an article that, like, the upcoming season of Shameless is going to have a throuple in it. Fascinating. Where, like, a, I think it's, like, a couple um, bring in, like, a, a, a prostitute in who then, like, is no longer a prostitute and is just married to both of them. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I haven't watched Shameless. I, I see an episode here or there in my life, but I've never really followed the, the plot of it. Mm-hmm. Hold on, I've, I'm just trying to look up because I know that there's got to be something. Oh, you know what I'm thinking of, but it's not. What? There's um a song, uh, by this dude named Eric Schwartz. Uh, it's called "Me and Jenny and the Lovely Mary Lou," and it's basically <laughs> about a dysfunctional but loving thruple. Um, Interesting. And it's very bizarre and very funny, and you should all go listen to it. Uh, but that is literally the only example that I can think of in in media that isn't like a reality TV show, like living with polyamorous <laughs> people, you know, something like yeah. that. Not a lot of rep in media. If if you guys have. Any examples of this one? I would actually love to hear it. Um, please tweet us at Talking Tropes on Twitter. Um, I, I really want to know if, if you've consumed something like this. For sure. Um, number, uh, number nine, I think, is another inherently queer uh, relationship where you have two people in a couple who are both interested in one person. Mm-hmm. And that person has not decided between the two of them. Um, Or, alternatively, you can see this organization as two people are fighting over the same person, but then ultimately realize that they're right for each other. So there's sort of two sides to it. Mm. So, like, an example of the the former would be, like, the real-life story of the creator of Wonder Woman um, and his wife, who both fell in love with a grad student and, you know, um, sort of fought over her and then brought uh, her into their life as, like, part of an actual thruple at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, or you could look at, like, the the doctor, the master, and Missy, where the <laughs> master and Missy are both into each other and are both fighting over the doctor. Wait, but aren't Missy and the master the same person? 
Yes, they are, but they are different incarnations, and they are into each other. It's canon. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that (laughs) moment. Um, But I think, like, the best example of number nine is Korosami. Okay, yeah. Because they are both, in season one, fighting over Mako, Mm -hmm. um, but ultimately realize that they're right for each other and, and just end up getting together. And that's why I say I think it's, you know, it's pretty much inherently queer. Yeah. Because, I mean, unless there's some kind of deception going on. So, like, this to me... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, that was it. Yeah. (laughs) Unless there's some kind of deception going on, it's not going to work out well. Yeah. This to me feels like a subversion of the classic love triangle. And it's a very modern... I think because, again, what you're saying is true, like, there's um, there's an inherently queer element to it. Um, right. Uh, unless, like, the person A is, like, it's a platonic thing, but I think mm-hmm. that's that's slightly different than, like, love triangle at that point. Of course. Um, but, yeah, so I, I do think it's inherently queer. I think it's inherently a subversion two of this of this trope because it resolves the tension in a unique way um it's not just picking between b or c it's saying no wait a minute really it's it's this thing right Um, another way that this trope can resolve is just when it's played for laughs um there's an episode of arrested development wherein um tobias and his wife Lindsay are practicing an open relationship. Oh, yeah. Um, And they both fall in love with this personal trainer named Michael, um, who uh, who Tobias calls Girl Michael. Yeah. um, To distinguish him from... uh, Their cousin. Yeah, or brother-in-law. Or brother, yeah, sorry. Um, (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so it ultimately ends up being that this character of uh, indeterminate gender... Um, was looking to have a threesome with both of them, but they're both disgusted by this because even though they're married, they're totally not into each, interested in each other. Um, so, you know, basically played for laughs that these this married couple is competing over the same uh, character. Right. So then the next one, number 10, I call this the American Beauty setup. Okay. When you have uh, two characters in a relationship, one of them is interested in somebody else. Um, that isn't reciprocated. So it's not directly an affair, but it's more like an emotional affair where they're mm-hmm. just like off and pursuing somebody else. Usually this will result in everything crashing and burning and often them dying, like in American Beauty. Yeah. Um, so this one is just like a fucking mess and there's nothing romantic about it whatsoever. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I don't think that there's any like good examples of a number 10. Yeah, I, like I'm trying to think of any I well okay I should I should clarify that's not true um sometimes there's an example of two characters who are married and one of the characters starts to discover a new side of their sexuality and Mm. then we sort of reward them for going off and pursuing someone else even if it doesn't result in something mutual with that other person because it's about them discovering themselves and and you know that side of their sexuality sure um 
But for the most part, it's just creepy old guys who are fantasizing about their child's best friend Ugh. who's a cheerleader. Yuck. It's gross. It is gross. Don't watch American Beauty, guys. It's a bad it, it movie. doesn't hold up. No. The paper bag <laughs> scene is, or the plastic bag scene is stupid. That's like the best scene in the movie. No, it's, it's stupid. Terrible. It's so stupid. <laughs> uh, anyone who defends that is dumb. Right. <laughs> That's my hot take for the week. Now, this next one I feel like is so complicated that it doesn't work unless you incorporate relationships that aren't inherently romantic. In okay. Because um, we've been talking exclusively about romance from up to this point, not talking about friendships or other kinds of loyalties. Mm -hmm. But um, the main example that I see for number 11 is King Arthur and Lancelot, which is okay. that you have... Two characters who are in mutual uh, relationships, and then one person is non-mutually attracted to someone else. Uh-huh. Um, so, so, in King this Arthur... case... It... Sorry, go ahead. Right. So, in this case, it seems like, basically, um, King Arthur, who is married to Guinevere, but also has, like, a, a pledge of fealty from Lancelot is sort of put off when Lancelot ends up trying to pursue Guinevere. Yeah. Um, and in kind of secret, but also kind of not, because it was a different time, and it's uh, very complicated things about courtship and courtly love. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I, the modern equivalent to this, in my opinion, is like all those stories about like violating the bro code. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. So you've got, you know, your Ted, Robin, Barney trio mm -hmm. where like ted is like feels really guilty about going after robin after their divorce and barney feels really guilty about going after robin because he's got the bro code with ted yeah um Stupid. i mean I, I i also feel like this is this is where i don't know like a lot of like again coming of age like guy stories that, that involve romance usually have an element right. of this where it's like, oh, I I like the girl, but Some, I'm best friends with like you. Sometimes this is like the sibling one. This is like the sibling it's, it's story. It's Spider-Man. You know what it is? It's Spider-Man. It's, it's, it's Spider-Man? It's Tobey Maguire and James Franco with Mary Jane a little bit. Um, right, because they're, they're best friends with each other, and they friends. don't want to, like, step on each other's toes. Right, but then they do, and then there's the conflict. Right, therein lies the conflict. Yeah. So in this one, the conflict is less so, you know, who will the character choose as, you know, who's betraying whose trust. Right, um, and will a friendship hold up? Yeah, and almost always friendship wins out, I feel like. Yeah. Friendship's a pretty good, like quality that everybody can pretty much agree on <laughs> don't let love split up a friendship but also i i do feel like often the the person in the middle sometimes gets blamed unfairly um but sometimes yeah. fairly um for... yeah i mean everybody uh hates mary jane in that in those movies except me because i <laughs> think that she is perfectly rational and doing everything that a character in that position would do okay well that's your hot take for the week. <laughs> I, that shouldn't be a hot take. I mean, that's that's a cold take. That is All right. that is a cold cut on a on a plate. Okay. Um, the next one is the the John Malkovich one. 
Do you want to talk about John Malkovich? Yeah, let's do it. Charlie Kaufman, being John Malkovich, go. Uh, There's a guy, and he goes into a a body (laughs) of a girl. Uh, Or, well, no, the girl goes into John Malkovich's body. Um, Right? I forget how it works. It's been a long time since I've watched this movie. Okay, so initially what happens... Is it's a guy goes into the body of John Malkovich. Yes. He is in love with this girl who doesn't give a shit about him, thinks he's a total loser. Yeah. He's also dating this other girl who's just sort of like boring and mm-hmm. he's like not that into it anymore. Um, and so he tries to have like an affair with this woman, but the woman just uses his John Malkovich tunnel hole as a, a way to make a profit and yeah. still doesn't really care about the guy. Um, meanwhile, the girl discovers this hole and uses it to become John Malkovich. <laughs> and then the woman that the guy's interested in falls in love with the girl, but only when body. she's in the body of John Malkovich. Malkovich. Yeah. So pretty but unique they, one But then this. they fall in love outside of the body of John Malkovich. Kind of, but not really, because what happens next is the guy secretly goes into John Malkovich's body and kind of, like, rapes her as John Malkovich by pretending to be the woman, and then she falls in love with him in John Malkovich instead, and then they get married, uh, and then they're together for years and years and years, until she rediscovers her love for this woman outside of John Malkovich's body. Yeah. And it ends with the lesbians getting together. Yeah. But I'm, well, but you know, I mean, it's just a little bit more complicated because of John Malkovich being in there. I mean, yes. <laughs> of course the whole movie is just about like creepy, disturbing sexuality and the idea of the self and, you know, what makes the self the self. And it's about control and whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's about Charlie Kaufman things. And he's, a, <laughs> he's, a, he's a creep. Um, but he makes good movies. It's a good movie. Good I, I saw this movie when I was way too young to see it. Um, oh, for sure. But then now I love it. It's great. You should all go I watch I didn't see that it until much more recently. But, I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, I can see how this would be... Very disturbing to watch as a youngster. Yeah. It's just like, like, you think you're an adult at 13, and so sometimes your parents think you're an adult, and they're like, yeah, you can watch Being John Malkovich, and then you're like, what the fuck did I just watch? Um, it seems like like maybe a better start would be like Adaptation. Yeah. Maybe that's like a better Kaufman to start with, or, <laughs> or maybe... Um, Who knows? I, my mom Anomalisa. also made me watch... Made me watch Brazil at thirteen, which Oof. I I still can't go back and watch Oof. that movie. It does. It's a lot. Um, I haven't seen it, but I know of it. And it's yeah, it's, it's a, a lot. lot. <laughs> um, tell us what one. what movies your parents scarred you with at a young age. <laughs> Please do. Uh, maybe we'll review them. Yeah. Um, all um, right. There is, like, on this list that TV Tropes provides, there is one more combination, but I don't see how it could ever work functionally in a story, and I don't think I've ever seen it, which is A is interested in both B and C, Mm -hmm. but character B is only interested in character C. 
and C isn't interested in anybody. Hmm. I mean, that feels like it's a retread of one of the earlier ones. Right, the Korosami one. Yeah. But it's just the Korosami one <laughs> with, like, the added weirdness of the relationship between Korra and Asami has not resolved yet. So it's like 13 right. is like... Uh, is it's like, like before, six again. Before number eight uh, or, or number nine resolves. Yeah. Yeah, but let us know if you can think of like an example of like one character is interested in two different characters, one of which is interested in the other one. Like, I haven't heard about this. Um, or, you know, something where two people are fighting over the same person and then um, one person is interested in the other. Yeah. There's definitely not a lot of... Uh, there's not a lot of examples of this on the TV Tropes page. And right. Most of the ones I mean, this there. is like... For an example of what it would be like, is mm-hmm. it's like if there's, like... If if Betty and Veronica are in, like, the Archie-verse, and then Betty just suddenly decides that she has a crush on Veronica, and Veronica's oblivious to it. Right. Like, that would be the an example of this one. But, like, I've just never seen anything like that in actual stories. Yeah. So, those are all of the uh, triangle TV... <laughs> excuse me. Those are all the triangles that uh, TV Tropes has on their page. Right. Um, it seems like the main ones that we always like find ourselves talking about when we talk about love triangles are the number one and the number three, where you've got one character choosing between two characters mm-hmm. or two characters fighting over one character. Yeah, maybe sometimes that the seems number like the main seven. Thing we're talking about seven, if if we're talking about affairs. Um, right. Yeah. Those seem to be the the most classic. Those are those are the most common kind of triangle that you're gonna right. come across in in media, I think. And then of course the stalker with a crush narrative, always very popular, where mm-hmm. where two people are in a relationship, one guy is interested in one person in the relationship. Those are also very common. And then yeah. there's the um, the final ones where it's like one person is dating like the lame guy but then mm-hmm. they become interested in the hot guy and tr- and leave the lame guy behind yeah so like those are like the four main subgroups that are most common mhm definitely so like what 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 do you think like people hate the most out of those what what are the the bane of people's existence oof i, I... I I mean I don't know if it's a specific one of those. I think it goes back to what you said earlier that it it's the oh, execution, execution, you know? Cuz so like what's an example of like uh you know a triangle executed to the best uh of its possibility? What's your favorite love triangle? I don't know if I have a favorite love triangle, but there's um a show that I think explores sort of the concepts of love triangles really really well. Um, it's Crazy Ex-Girlfriend on, uh, I think it's on, like, the CW, actually. I Um, I thought it was CBS. No, it's not CBS. Um, maybe TBS licensed it, like, syndicated it, but, um, I'm pretty sure it's airs on CW. Um, yeah, so, like, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, I think, does an amazing job of sort of dealing with a lot of these different versions of love triangles, you know, because 
it starts out where the main character moves to California to pursue this guy that she briefly dated during, like, her childhood. Um, right. And he's dating, like, a hot girl. So, like, a lot of the first season is dedicated to her trying to, like, break them up and win him over. But um, also trying to, like, fiercely befriend this hot girl so that it's not weird. Right. Like, sort of befriend her, but also not because she's working against her. And, like, so it's complicated in that way. Um, and then, meanwhile, like, the the hot dude that she's trying to win has, like, a best friend who likes her. So So it really starts to get into Love Square a little bit. Um, but sure. there's a lot of, you know, like, she is liked by two guys sort of, or it's a lot of like um, two, I would say where she likes Josh, the main character is Rebecca. She likes Josh, who's the hot guy. And then um, maybe it's not two though. Oh God. Which one would this be? Maybe five. Yeah, it'd be five. So there's, there's Greg who's Josh's friend who likes Rebecca, who would be B who likes Josh, who would be C. Yeah. All right. So it's a, it's a direct line where yeah. no one's happy. No, no one's, one's in a ha- fulfilling mutual relationship of attraction. Right. And then how does it resolve? Um, well, it resolves and unresolves several times because it's an ongoing Of course, but, but like show. this particular configuration, how does it resolve into a different configuration? Sure. Um, well, so... Rebecca basically ends up with Josh for a time, um, and then... So that, that was the person she was initially interested in, the hot Yes, guy. yes, yes. Um, so she, then it becomes, so then it becomes, um, you know, she and Josh are together, and then there's this outside guy who's interested in her. Yes. Um, but then she breaks up with Josh and dates the other guy for a bit. But then he leaves to go to, like, grad school or something. Um, gotcha. So it goes from a five to a four to she's all alone again. She's all alone again, but then they introduce more dudes and blah, blah, blah. Um, but but it also is sort of talks... The show in general is, like, a really interesting deconstruction of, like, the romantic, like, comedy tropes that we're so familiar with um, and how right. they're actually, like very destructive and not healthy a lot of times and that it's it's a great show to be that she kind of like sees her life as a musical Mm -hmm. complete with actual musical numbers yes um and then you know everyone else just sees her as crazy because she's living in a fantasy world right um and and some people sort of prop that fantasy world up um and other people sort of bring her back to reality um, and it's it's a really great show that I think, honestly, a lot of people overlook um, because of right. the name. I know I did initially. I was like, ugh, this sounds like garbage. Um, and then I watched a couple episodes and it's like, this is amazing. <laughs> never mind. Yeah, uh, I never got hooked, but I absolutely see the appeal. Um, yeah. I think, like, the, the BFF character is, like, very entertaining and enjoyable. Yes. Um, and uh, you know, always pushing her to the to extremes. Well, she's um, like even the when ultimate. She ha- occasionally has self doubt. Yeah, she's got a. She's like the fangirl for their relationship. You know, exactly. like she's the fandom insert character almost, where she'll do crazy, insane things, as crazy and insane as some of the things Rebecca will do to end up with her ultimate romantic uh, 
uh, crush, um, she'll, she'll support that with even crazier and more damaging um, sort of actions just because she's so invested in this relationship working out because her own love life is not as fulfilling as she wants it to be. Um, right. And she has to sort of learn that she needs to focus on her own marriage and her own life a little bit more and a little bit less on Rebecca's. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great show. Um, it, it really tackles some, some interesting topics as far as uh, romance tropes go. It's really hard to say exactly how the show is going to, you know, finish up because the statement that it's trying to make is clearly that, like, you have to solve your own problems first before you can worry about trying to find love. Um, mm -hmm. And that this character... Rachel is not solving her own problems. She's not solving her issues at all. She's just deflecting. Um, yeah. And so, you know, you wonder exactly like who she's going to end up with because no matter what, if she does end up with someone and they are happy together, like that's the show saying like, well, it was all worth it. Um, Cause she ended up happy. Right. But uh, you know, I don't think that's what the show is, is going to end up saying. It's going to, yeah you know, come up with some different twist at the end, but, but I guess we'll see. I hope so. But yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll just have to see as far as that goes. Do you, do you have a favorite love triangle? Um, or, or one you I think is executed I favorite, well? I think, I think Twilight gets a bad rap. Um, I think the Twilight love triangle, I think that's a pretty, it's a pretty solid dynamic. It, it works well for what it's trying to go for. All right. I'm going to need you to explain that one to me a little bit. As someone who is not a fan <laughs> of oh sure I mean well I'm uh, I you know me I care about arcs I've yeah. said the, I've said this basically every episode for the past like five episodes mm -hmm. um, and so like what is Twilight about at least the first book the the one that's called Twilight mm -hmm. um, you know that book is about um, you know Bella's identity after moving to this new town. And, like, trying to figure out, like, who she is and, and what her role is. And, you know, while it's a little problematic that that's done through the this metaphor of, like, the guy that she wants to date, um, it's still, like, I think accomplished pretty well that, you know, she sees herself as an outsider. So she ends up going for this, you know, mysterious outsider loner type. And that's how she ends up, you know, gaining her power in, like, the third book. Fourth. Um, fourth book, sorry. Um... But yeah, I, I don't know. I think, <laughs> I, I I I think that's pretty strong, and I think the the Jacob Edward dynamic it, it gets to something like core, to you know, to, to I guess I guess I think about it this way. Have you ever heard of um, uh, have you ever heard of Sternberg's triangle? No. Okay. Well, this is the triangular theory of love, which which is a different kind of love triangle that I wanted okay. to bring up. So you've got three points. There's intimacy, commitment, and passion. Okay. And all relationships have a different combination of these three aspects to them. But a good relationship has a, an even balance of passion, intimacy, and commitment. Okay. But if you are lacking in one of these areas, then it starts to break down. And so you have, you know, more like complex different types of love that appear. Um, so for example, if you have, um, if you have uh, passion and intimacy, 
that is romantic love, but it, since it doesn't have any commitment, it can be fleeting. Sure. Um, if you have passion and commitment, then you have fatuous love, which is just sort of like love at first sight, you know, um, you know, Snow White falling in love with this prince and then going to marry him immediately when they know nothing about each other. Okay. Um, if you've got intimacy and commitment but no passion, that's like companionate love. You're like BFFs, but like there's no real love there. And so, you know, that's sort of the dynamic that it seems like um, uh, Edward and, and Jacob are supposed to be falling into, where one fulfills romantic love and the other fulfills companionate love, but at no point do either of them really fulfill consummate love for her because she's not able to commit. Does that make sense? I guess. But, I mean, she is pretty committed to Edward until he pieces out on her. <laughs> like, he's the one who's not able to commit at first. Right, well, I mean, I guess that's what I mean. Is like, you know, um, the, the, there's no commitment between them that's solidly built. They just have a lot of passion, and they're really intimate where they just share everything about each other, you know, without worrying about, you know, ruining a, a friendship or something like she has with Jacob. Sure. I think there's just an interesting um, dynamic there, and I think it's it's handled it's handled pretty like I don't know maybe not realistically but very powerfully um, you know wherein she does ultimately you know have to just like tell Jacob no at the end like if it's if it's gonna be with anybody it's not gonna be with you sorry <laughs> and- I just. There's there's always a quote that I go back to from I believe it's it's New Moon the second one, um, mm-hmm. where Bella like is is basically telling Jacob no I want to go be with Edward and he's like why the fuck do you care about that piece of garbage who basically abandoned you for this entire book and she's like well Jacob you're like the sun but Edward he's like my drug. And I just always look at that and I go, what's healthier for you, dude? <laughs> like, the guy you're... Uh, the sun's pretty dick. healthy. Um, you gotta, gotta get that vitamin D. But no, she's talking about romantic love. I mean, that's the one that she feels passion for. And, you know, even though she does feel very close to Jacob because they grew grew up together... Well, they didn't they, grow up together. He's well, they, just in... They, they hung out together as, like, little babies. Um did and they? then, uh, and then, like, reconnected and formed, like, a pretty close friendship. Mm. It just doesn't, like, work. Because there's no passion there on her part. I mean, I don't know if I agree with that. Okay. Um, like, I, I, clearly I was very much Team Jacob. Um, but it, it just... Yeah, I mean, that would be the healthier option, but she's not interested in in like living healthy, living a long, happy life. She, she like straight up says that she's, you know, she wants danger, excitement and, and passion. These are like very Shakespearean kind of things for people to want. I, I guess I, I, maybe I'm moralizing on it too much. And, and I think maybe that's something that happens a lot, especially with like YA literature, because it is, Mm-hmm. aimed towards a younger demographic so we tend to worry about the type of messages that this is sort of sending more so mm-hmm. than we do in like adult media um 
but but it's one of those things where it's like we're romanticizing this dude and yeah she feels passionate about him but like should she i guess is is the uh, question well, i mean like should up? people in real life like you know go with the people that they have a crush on versus the someone who's safe and reliable but kind of boring i don't know it's up to people to make their own choices i don't but give that's a shit the, but that's the thing about like twilight is that he's reliable but like not necessarily safe you know like he's he's got he portrays a lot of things that are also sort of bad boy which is why even when when edward's absent they form sort of like a a a mini love triangle that with like the human characters that are interested in bella um and they now represent the safe boring choice when compared to the danger that is jacob but jacob is the safe boring choice when compared to edward sure and I think it's the same thing if you look at the origins of this, like, love triangle in general, which um, Stephanie Meyer has said she was heavily inspired by uh, Buffy and Spike That's and Angel. another one that I fucking can't stand. Well, I, I mean, it's obviously latching onto something in somebody's, uh, you know... Um, uh, it's someone's fantasy. You know, oh yeah, some teenage obsession, dream, fantasy, oh, it's not whatever. Just teenage, you know, like I know adults who are still like wildly into all of that. Um, right, because you're faced with a lot of choices in your life where you have to choose between the safe option and the dangerous option. And part of the fantasy is that, you know, maybe you wouldn't choose the dangerous option in real life, but in a book you can choose it's the dangerous safe option. Too. Yeah. And I think, you know, like, the suicidal aspects of Bella's character, I think they're pretty decently explored um, in in New Moon. Yeah. It seems like. I mean, maybe, like, maybe, like, it's done differently in the books, which I haven't read, but I only saw the I, movies. It, it's, it's always the question of, it's not necessarily bad to talk about these things or explore these topics, Um because they are things that people feel, but it's always the question of, should we be validating all of these feelings as just, or should we point out that like, maybe don't feel suicidal over a boy, you know? Um, but people do. I mean, but people I think do. You need, like, like it's very hard, but, but and this is part of my philosophy as well, um, that people might disagree with, which is that I don't think you can be prescriptive, um, when you're writing. It's very difficult to write uh, a story with a message that you're trying to convey um, and have it resonate with people because what resonates with people is what resonates with them. All you can do is hold up a mirror to, you know, the person who's reading and if it connects with them, it does. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. I mean, I I think that's true, but I, I think that... I, I don't know that I totally agree with you that it's impossible to write somewhat prescriptively and still have it connect with people. Um, I think you're probably right, but I mean, when I think of like in this particular case, mm-hmm. I think it's very clear that this is the type this is the type of writing that will always exist, that has always existed, and will continue to exist because it's visceral young love stories that involve angst and depression and suicide Mm -hmm. i mean that's romeo and juliet and that's twilight it's it's 
it, it's not that complicated. It's just a part of growing up that you you used to think when you were a kid that if you lose this person, that's the end. That's everything. And then you grow up and you realize that's not the case. But you know, when you're a kid, you need somebody to under need to show you that they understand, and that's what the book does. But isn't it validating that like it is the end of the world when that person doesn't love you back? And that you should really wish for them to love you. Like, I don't know. No, I, I mean, it's just like one of those cases where, you know, people are going to feel like it's the end of the world. Um, and so, so if somebody's telling them it's not the end of the world, your love isn't important because it's young. Your love is stupid. Um, it's not that they're not going to listen necessarily and like believe it. It's just that it's not going to resonate with them, and they're still going to feel those feelings. They're just not going to have any outlet for them. So, okay. like, it just gets internalized. At least that's my philosophy on it. I mean, other people can disagree. Maybe, like, Twilight should have ended with, like, Bella leaving town and getting a degree <laughs> in computer science. I don't fucking know. Um, I, I mean... just know that, like, the fantasy is that you dance with death. You make sweet, sweet love to death. Uh-huh. You give birth to a death baby, and then you get superpowers. And then your best friend falls in love with your death baby. I mean... <laughs> I mean, that part, I, I don't know, like... <laughs> I mean, pretty much no one defends that part. I mean, Jacob, Jacob, um, he zinged. Do you, ever, do you ever see Hotel Transylvania? No. There's, like, a plot point in that, that, like, monsters, they have, like, a love at first sight mechanism in their body where oh they'll zing they'll zing with somebody that's and, uh, a real thing in hotel transylvania yeah it's the whole plot of the first movie is that like um you know adam sandler dracula is like upset that his daughter zinged with a human which has never happened before oh my god this movie's wild hotel transylvania yeah it's a great movie Everybody should watch it. Uh, the only problem with it is that Adam Sandler is terrible and everything he does is terrible. <laughs> um, but other than that, it's a great movie. It's great. Wow. Wow. Okay. Bizarre. Um, yeah, so Jacob zings with a baby who also ages to the point where they look like a full-grown adult at the age of seven, which that to yeah. me is the weirder part of that story. But I mean, literally you know, the whole thing of it is weird. Um, also, the CGI baby in the movie is weird, but you know, <laughs> hey, who am I to judge? I, I couldn't even get that far. I read the, the me reading that book was when I realized that Twilight was not good. Um. <laughs> <coughs> well, I mean, yeah, because like when you resolve a um, when you resolve a love triangle, it's often not satisfying, and I think that's something that uh, that's true because once you resolve it, the tension is gone, but half of the people who were reading the book are disappointed. Yeah. That's and that's true. like almost necessary of the trope. And I think that might be why this trope is so hated um, by some and beloved by others, because some people are just better at predicting the outcomes. I guess maybe. I, I think it then it does come back to like predictability and also what I was saying earlier in it being like a distraction. Um, sure. Especially. Yeah. I mean, the reason I like Twilight is because this love triangle is central to the story and central to Bella's character arc. It's not extraneous at all. It's right. not a distraction in any way, shape or form. Like it's the main point. 
Right. As much In fact, as... you could argue that all the bullshit with like the war between the werewolves and the vampires and the bad vampires yeah. and the good vampires. That's all the extraneous bullshit that no one cares about. I mean, about. it honestly is. Like, it, it, like that's the <laughs> bullshit that, like... Like, everyone complains about the fight not happening, but I was surprised that a fight was going to happen at all when I read it, you know? Um, right. Like, there's all this buildup, and then they just stand in the snow for 20 minutes. And it's like, well, yeah, what else has this book series led you to expect? Like, you're never going to fight. Well, there was no reason to fight except for prejudice. I mean, yeah. But, like, that's a reason enough to fight. People fight over that all the time. Yeah, but, I mean, if they just explain themselves, when they all literally have psychic powers where they can read each other's minds, <laughs> it seems kind of bizarre that, like, there would ever be a conflict like this that appeared. Yeah. It just seems like a distraction. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So that's love triangles, guys. Yeah, are we are we done talking about love triangles? I don't Did know. you have other I, stories you want to talk about? I mean, I don't have anything else like majorly. I think we covered most of. Um... Yeah, the main thing that I think we skipped over, and I'm glad we did, is um, love triangles that involve like alter egos. Oh. Um, I I really don't care about Danny Phantom and his stupid like one girl is interested in the ghosts version of me uh-huh. and one girl's interested in the real human version of me well okay Lois hold on Lane's now i kind of want to superman talk about it. not clark kent now i kind of want to talk about it though Cause well maybe we'll do another episode just on on secret identity romances okay. um sound good yeah sounds good yeah we'll do that some other time let us know if you're interested um and uh yeah we'll 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 catch you next week yeah, what are we doing next week? Um, That's a good question. Let's look that up real fast. Oh man, it looks like next week is Oscar night. More like Oscar the Grouch night, because we're going to be grouching it up, talking about all the things we hate about Oscar bait. We'll see you next week for the Oscar bait debate. Follow us on Twitter and, and Facebook and all the other places you can follow us at Talking Tropes. Later. By the way, this is my new character. His name is Oscar Grouchington. He's an original character.